بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وخاتم النبيين وعلى آله طيبين طاهرين ومن تبعهم بإحسان لا يوم الدين وبعد My dear respected brothers, elders, dear young students in Islam Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed the Qur'an al-Kareem as source of guidance for all mankind. شَهْرَ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنَ هُدًا لِلنَّاسِ And this Qur'an as a source of guidance for mankind, how does it achieve that through various different ways? What are the subject matters covered in the Qur'an? The scholars of tafsir had divided into some general categories. And one of them, and the most important, the first one, is At-Tafkir. That the Qur'an is a reminder that softens the heart and makes the heart receptible to accepting the advice from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this purpose of the Qur'an is learned from the Qur'an itself, where numerous occasions Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to the Qur'an as dhikr. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الذِّكْرَ I have revealed this dhikr, this source of remembrance upon you, O Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, لِتُبَيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ مَا نُزِلَ إِلَيْهِمْ So that you can clearly explain to the people that which has been revealed unto them. Likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that, إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَذِكْرَ Verily in this Qur'an there is an admonition, a dhikr, لِمَنْ كَانَ لَهُمْ قَلْبٌ For whoever has a true heart, a sound heart, he will take benefit from the Qur'an. أَوْ أَلْقَ السَّمْعَ وَهُوَ شَهِيدٌ Or he pays attention, he listens closely. While he is present, mentally, spiritually present, then he will benefit from the Qur'an. So the Qur'an is a source of dhikr. شَاوَلِيُّ اللَّهِ دَهْلَوِي رَحِمُهُ اللَّهِ In his celebrated work, Al-Fawzul Kabir fi Usul Al-Tafsir, he mentions the tathkir in the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us admonition in the Qur'an is through three types. One is At-Tathkir bi ayyamillah. Number two, At-Tathkir bi ala'illah. And number three, At-Tathkir bil mawti wa bima ba'da al-mawt. Number one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala invites our hearts and our minds to reflect bi ayyamillah, by mentioning the days of the past. The nations that have come, the prophets that were sent to them, their stories. At-Tathkir bi ayyamillah. Number two, At-Tathkir bi ala'illah. He asks us to reflect and ponder by mentioning his signs. فَبِأَيَّ أَلَاءِ رَبِّكُمَا تُكَذِّبَانِ He asks us to ponder and reflect over his creation. أَفَلَا يَنظُرُونَ إِلَى الْإِبْلِ كَيْفَ خُنِقَدْ Do you not see how he has created the camel? And وَإِلَى السَّمَاءِ كَيْفَ رُفِعَدْ How he has erected the skies above us. وَإِلَى الْأَرْضِ كَيْفَ سُتِحَدْ How the earth he has spread it underneath our feet, etc., etc. To see the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the creation. Within your own selves, وَفِي أَنفُسِكُمْ أَفَلَا تُبْصِرُونَ Do you not look and ponder and reflect over your own creation and see my greatness? And number three is التذكير بالموت وبما بعد الموت To allow us to reflect and gain admonition through the scenes of death and what will occur after death. Meaning our own qiyamah, مَنْ مَاتَ فَقَدْ قَامَتْ قِيَامَتُهُ And the qiyamah that will take place for the entire creation. Scenes of the Day of Judgment. إِذَا الشَّمْسُ كُوِّيرَتْ وَإِذَا النُّجُومُ كَدَرَتْ وَإِذَا الْجِبَالُ سُيِّرَتْ إِذَا السَّمَاءُ انْشَقَّتْ 
Since the destruction of the day of judgment, when the trumpet will be blown, what will happen? Description of the day of Qiyamah, description of Jannah and Jahannam. These are all meant to soften our hearts so we can have hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and fear His adab. So from these three, the topic for today is specifically At-Tathkiru Bi-Ayyamillah. How we can gain lesson and admonition from the stories of the Prophet ﷺ, the first of the three. And if we go to Surah 21, Surah Al-Anbiya the name of the Surah itself is Al-Anbiya, the story, the, the Surah of Prophets. We have different Surahs in the Quran which are named after specific Prophets. You might have heard of Surah Yunus, it's one Prophet of Allah, Yunus salam. There's Surah Yusuf, which is named after Yusuf salam, of course. And the, the Nabi who's mentioned the most in the Quran, there's no Surah Musa. There is a Surah Muhammad salam. So there are different Surahs that are named after different Prophets salam. But this Surah, Surah number 21 in the 17th Jews, is actually called Surah Al-Anbiya. The Surah of all the Prophets, Al-Anbiya. So many, many Prophets, their stories are mentioned together in this Surah. And if we, Allah allows us to cover one particular passage from that today, which starts from ayah number 51 in Surah Al-Anbiya. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions the stories of 11 Prophets, no less than 11, in quick succession, one after the other. 11 Prophets والسلام, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about their stories. And each one of these Prophets has uh, his own unique, distinct storyline and his own biography. And a book can be written on each one. But there is one particular common thread and one theme that is recurring in all of these 11 Anbiya stories. One particular aspect is being highlighted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And is repeated twice, thrice, four times, five times, six times, seven times, nine times, eleven times. For us to gain guidance and gain tathkir from these verses. The first story begins with وَلَقَدْ أَتَيْنَا إِبْرَاهِيمَ رُشْدَهُ مِنْ قَبْلِ That we had granted Ibrahim salam guidance from a young age. Even when he was a child, he did not fall into the shirk of his community. Uh, when he asked his father, he told his father, إِذْ قَالَ لِيَبِيهِ وَقَوْمِهِ When he told his father, who was the fashioner and maker of the idols, مَا هَذِهِ التَّمَاثِيرُ الَّتِي أَنْتُمْ لَهَا عَكِفُونَ what are these false gods that you are worshipping? They responded, We found our forefathers worshipping them, that's why we are worshipping these idols. He said, you and your forefathers, all of you are in open error, have gone astray. They said, do you have any true evidence for what you are saying? Or are you just joking and jesting with us? He said, no, this is false, what you are doing. No, your Lord is the one Lord who has created the heavens and the earth. He is the one who originated the heavens and the earth. And I testify to his oneness. And then he said to himself, I'm going to plot against these idols and show how futile they are and how it is waste to worship them. So what did he do? He destroyed them except for the big idol. He placed the axe in the, by the, in the arms of the big idol. When they came back from their festival, they had gone out from the town to go worship their gods for a festival. They came back, they saw all their idols had been destroyed. 
They were astonished when they saw that. They were amazed. They were perturbed. What happened to our gods? Man fa'ala Who has committed this hideous act of vandalism? Attacked our gods. He is a great oppressor. He has committed injustice. Then they said, We heard a young boy. He was speaking ill of our idols. His name is Ibrahim. Ibrahim. He goes by the name of Ibrahim. Let's go investigate and see what he did. If he was involved. If he knows anything about this. They say, Bring him in front of the people. So everyone can witness if he can defend himself or if he is the culprit, the one who committed this heinous act of vandalism against the idols. They said, have you done this, O Ibrahim? He said, He said, no, the axe is in the hand of the big idol. He is the one who did it. Ask them if they can speak. Initial reaction of the people is they reflected on what he's saying and they realized that what he's saying is true. These idols cannot even speak. They said, They told themselves that you are committing a, the worst zulm and oppression by worshipping such gods that cannot even speak. But their ego overcame them. They did not accept the truth. After realizing it, after understanding what they're doing is wrong, they still were not willing to accept the truth. This is the actual definition of kibber and arrogance. As I have quoted many times in different occasions, the hadith of Rasulullah where one perhaps fashion uh, conscious uh, sahabi, he asked Rasulullah a question, that Ya Rasulullah, and this is a, a normal style when we ask questions from the muftis. You know, we don't say that this is my question. We say, I have a friend. And, you know, that friend, he ended up saying this. What's the hukum of his nikah, for example? Or, or, or that's a very drastic scenario. Or even other issues. My one friend, he has an issue with his tahara. How, does he, how should he maintain his wudu? So when we respond, we also keep up the farce. And we say, okay, tell that friend that this is the, sin, this is the masla is. So likewise, he asked, inna rajula. There is a man. He came to Rasulullah and he said, Inna rajula there is a man who likes to have beautiful clothes and beautiful shoes. Is this permitted? Is this arrogance? So Rasulullah said uh, that you know you can inform him. Verily, Allah is beautiful and loves beauty. That's not arrogance. What is arrogance? Al kibru batrul nasi. True arrogance is denying the truth after knowing it because of one's ego. You're not ready to accept the truth. And number two is looking down on other people. If you're wearing better, better clothes, it's not kibar until you believe yourself to be better than the person who's wearing less uh, beautiful clothes. So over here, Then they, they said, no, 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 we're not going to accept the truth. For a moment there was a realization, then they rejected it. And they said, Oh Ibrahim, why are you joking with us? You know these gods cannot speak. Then Ibrahim said, that's my point. Do you want to worship such gods that cannot benefit you in the least, nor can they harm you? your And the gods you worship besides Allah. Do you not understand? So when they failed the debate with him, and they could not prove their gods, then they resorted to what the tyrants resort to, and that is, Let's just get rid of him. Let's just kill him. 
so qalu harriquh they said let's burn him wansuru alihatakum and come to the aid of your gods so they they, burn, they lighted up a big fire and they were he was thrown in with a catapult and what happened allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came to his aid qulna ya naru kuni bardan he called out to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the angels came were willing to help him in this predicament but he said hasbi Hasbunallah when you wakil, Allah is sufficient for me. He is the best one who take care of my affairs. Kafani ilmu Rabbi, the sufficient for me is the fact that ilmu Rabbi bihali, the fact that Allah is aware of my condition. He knows what I'm facing for His sake, and He will come to my aid. And this is the point of the lesson that is repeated: that in every single time when the Ambiyalimusallam, and likewise His promise extended to the believers, when they were in a predicament. And when they were in a difficulty and they besieged Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and cried out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah came to their aid. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Ya naru kuni bardan wa salaman ala Ibrahim. O fire, become cool and peaceful for Ibrahim alayhi salam. Cool, not so cool that he'll be in pain from the cold, but rather salaman as well. So it's comfortable for Ibrahim alayhi salam. And Ibrahim later described that the best and most comfortable and most enjoyable days of my entire life were the 40 days I was in the fire. When the ropes that had tied me up were burnt away, but not a single hair of my body was burnt, and I was in the ultimate comfort ever possible in this earthly existence. So, in the fire, he, he is in peace and comfort and luxury and enjoyment. This is the exact opposite that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the qawm of Nuh alayhi salam in Surah Nuh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they drowned in the fire they drowned in the water and they ended up that they were drowning in the water and from there they directly entered the fire so from the water they went into the fire. Here Ibrahim salam from the fire goes into comfort. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is musabib al-asbab, the controller of all means. He can change the conditions whenever he likes, whichever way he likes. So the lesson of the first story, if you're thinking we're going to have 11 stories this long, no, the other ones are going to be shorter inshallah. Keep track of the time as well. The first, well, very short inshallah. The other stories will be very short. The first, so this one, the first one we see is They tried to plot against my, my Nabi Ibrahim It's very obvious how they're plotting they, they literally threw him in a fire The fire was so big, the details of that That the birds that were flying over were roasting and falling down For a month they were gathering the firewood They created the biggest bonfire in the history of the world And uh, it was so big they couldn't even come near to throw him in So they had to develop and build a huge catapult To propel him and project him into that fire the enemies tried to hurt my Nabi. And we destroyed his enemies. We made them the losers. And the refrain, the word that repeats is, We saved him. We saved him. We saved him from his enemies and we protected him. That's story number one. Number two, I mean, Allah Ta'ala keeps on talking about Ibrahim alayhi salam. I gave him children, I gave him Ishaq and Yaqub, and I gave him progeny. Etc. Etc. But moving on to number two is Walutan. Allah Ta'ala speaks about Nabi Lut, the nephew of Ibrahim. Prophet number two. What does he say about him? He says, 
atina wa hukman wa ilman Allah gave him knowledge wisdom wanajaynahu and i saved him when he was overcome by the evil people in his town of course we know the nation of lut they committed uh, very indecent acts the originators of the indecency that is becoming more and more widespread allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says wanajaynahu we saved him min al-qaryati allati kana ta'malu al-khaba'ith from that town, the inhabitants that used to commit immoral acts, khaba'ith. They were very evil people. Lut was very much overcome by them. He was, been inviting, he was inviting them. He was telling them, unto you, how can you fulfill your shahwa, your carnal passions and desires and lust with men, leaving the woman Allah has created for you? And this is such a new evil practice you have originated no one has ever done this before it's in the Quran no one did it before no one was genetically programmed to commit homosexuality before Lut Salam's people it was just then that it happened for the first time and um, it reached the climax when the two beautiful angels in the shape of two beautiful human beings came as visitors to his house and uh, when, he, when they came in, he was like, oh no, these people are so handsome, these angels, what's going to happen? Because the people are going to jump on them, the people of my town. What kind of town do I live in that I'm afraid for these visitors? When they came to his house, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears by the life of Rasul sallallahu I swear by your life, by your umar, oh my habib, they had become blind in their passion. They were breaking down the door of his house. And Lut addressed the people and he said that Is there not even a single person amongst you who has any common sense to stop this? These are my guests. Do not disgrace me in front of my guests. Leave, commit whatever you want to do with each other, man. Leave my guests alone. They said that you know what we want and you had better give us what we want right now, what we are demanding. He said, banati. These are the daughters as a father. He wasn't giving his own daughters in marriage to these people. He was referring to the women of the town. As a prophet, he was the father of the nation. He said, go marry these women. They said, no, no, no. We want, uh, we want your guests right now. So at that point, he cried out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the guests told him, don't worry. We are actually angels. They cannot harm us. They cannot rape us. We are safe. And in fact, we came to give you the glad tiding that... By the morning, this whole nation will be destroyed. And this alaysa subhu bi qareeb is not the morning near. You only have to wait till the morning. Tonight you have to leave. Evacuate. So this is the second story. I saved him. I saved Lut alayhi salam. Third one. وَنُوحًا إِذْ نَادَى مِنْ قَبْلُ And Nuh alayhi salam. 950 years giving da'wah to these people. And they're refuting him. They're rebuking him. They're harassing him. They're torturing him. Finally, he, he, when he was overcome... He, at the end he said, Rabbi anni maghloobun fantasir. Oh Allah, I am completely overcome by these enemies. I ask for your help. So when he called out to me, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Fastajabna lahu, I responded to his call. Fastajabna lahu, I am the one who responded to his call. Fanajaynahu wa ahlahu, I am the one who saved him. Again, najaynahu, I saved him. I gave him najat and his family, min al-karbil azim, from the great destruction. 
In Surah Safat, it's so beautiful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَنُوحًا إِذْ نَادَى مِنْ قَبْلُ When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Safat, when Nuh al-Islam, he called unto us, وَلَقَدْ نَادَانَا نُوحًا فَلَنِعْمَ الْمُجِيبُونَ فَلَنِعْمَ الْمُجِيبُونَ How beautiful did I respond. فَلَنِعْمَ is fair al-madah. It means like, it's a word of praise. It's like their youth here. If someone makes a beautiful, you know, dunk, or a beautiful layup, a beautiful three-point, you'll say, فَلَنِعْمَ اللَّعِبُ How great a player he is. فَلَنِعْمَ الرَّسَّامُ How beautiful an artist someone is when you see a painting. So Allah says, I responded to him, فَلَنِعْمَ الْمُجِيبُونَ How beautiful I am in responding. Allah says, وَنَصَرْنَاهُ I helped him. I helped him single-handed he was against his entire nation, and I saved him from his people. فَغَرَقْنَاهُ مَجْمَعِينَ I... They were all drowned in the water. Then story four and five will wrap it up together. Is Suleiman and Dawood. This is a different type of test. They did not have difficulties. They had a test of wealth and blessings. Will they make shukr to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala or not? Because the test is not always about putting Allah Taala putting us through difficulties. He might test us through good conditions as well. So Allah Taala speaks in great length here. You will have to go and look at it yourself, inshallah, afterwards. Tonight, you can open up Surah Anbiya and see the blessings he mentions about Sulaiman alayhi salam and Dawood alayhi salam. And number six, then Allah talks, talks about Ayyub alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Wa Ayyuba, remember my slave Ayyub. Is nada rabbahu, he called out to his Lord. Not right away. We know that he had beautiful children, he had wealth, he had farms, he had sheep, goats, camels. And then what happened? The roof fell down, all of the nine children sleeping, they died one shot. Then disease broke out on his animals, they all died off. Then drought came and he lost his farm. Then he was physically so beautiful, he lost his physical health. He became despised by his own people. He was thrown out. His only support was Layya, the granddaughter of Yusuf his wife. She stood by his side. He went through a trial for so many years. Finally, then he called out to his Lord. He said, Rabbi anni masani al-dur. Oh my Lord, I have been afflicted. وَأَنْتَ أَرْحَمُ الرَّاحِمِينَ And you are the most merciful of those who can show mercy. He didn't say, so remove my affliction. Meaning he doesn't have the courage, he doesn't have the jura to say, Oh Allah, remove my affliction. This is called عَرْضُ hal. You just say, Oh Allah, I am under affliction and you are the most merciful. Like Adam bin Hawa, what did they say? They didn't say, Oh Allah, forgive us. They did not ask for forgiveness because they're in such a position that we can't even ask for forgiveness. They just said, رَبَّنَا ظَلَمْنَا أَنفُسَنَا Oh Lord, we have done a great room on ourselves. And they mention the outcome that if you don't forgive us, if you don't shower your mercy on us, then we will be losers. Yani if you don't forgive us, we will be lost. So this is speaking in, uh, with a hint is even has, is more effective than being explicit sometimes. So they didn't explicitly say, forgive us. They said, oh Allah, if you don't forgive us, we are going to be lost. Likewise, he just said, I'm afflicted. If you don't have mercy, then I will be in difficulty. Allah said, I responded to his call. I removed all his physical sickness. When his wife came back, she said, there was a man lying here. I, w- I went to go earn some money by doing physical labor to bring some food for him. And can you help me find my husband? And he said, I'm your husband. She said, please do not joke with me. I'm a woman undergoing great trials in my life. He said, I am your husband. Look closely, and then she looked and she realized it was none other than Ayyub. Urkut birajlik. Allah had commanded him to hit his heel on the ground. A spring had come out, he had done ghusl, and he had become young once again. 
Allah says, ahlahu, We gave him his children. His children were brought back to life and he had another new set of nine children. Allah responded to him. Then Allah mentions number seven, Ismail. Number eight, Idris. Number nine, Zulkifal salam. Unfortunately, we are out of time. We are going to have to skip their stories. I do want to mention number ten. It's very beautiful. Number ten is Yunus salam. Number ten after that, Allah says, وَذَنْ نُونِي Remember the one of the fish. When he told his people, you have to believe in Allah or the adab is coming. They said, we're not going to believe in Allah. He believed, then Yunus salam, he made his own ishtihad. He thought the adab of Allah was coming. He knows the history. Whenever the adab comes, the anbiya are taken out. So he said, let me leave before the adab comes. But he made a slight error in judgment. He should not have left without the direct order from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he left. Then the people also know the history. They said, oh, the Nabi of Allah has gone. If the Prophet of Allah has gone, then the adab of Allah is approaching. Just like the U.S. government, for example, before they shock and awe and start bombing some country, they remove their staff from the Department of State staff. Those who are in the, uh, their embassy, the embassy is evacuated. So they call back their representative. Allah takes out his representative, his Prophet, before the adab comes. They said, so as a nation is there and they're in difficulty with the United States, some going through some difficult times, and the U.S. calls back its embassy. All the embassy staff are evacuated. Then they could imagine that the bombers would be coming next. So likewise, they said, oh, the Prophet has gone. Adab is coming. Then they saw the signs of the Adab. They saw the signs of the Adab became apparent. And these people, and this is the only time it ever happened in the history, that all of the people of the entire town of Nenawa, they came out of the city, the men, the women, the old, the young, even the animals, they gathered and started making dua and istighfar. For the first time and the last time ever, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after making the signs of Adab apparent, stopped the Adab. Allah says in Surah Yunus, فَلَوْلَا كَانَتْ قَرْيَةٌ آمَنَتْ فَنَفَعَهَا إِيمَانُهَا إِلَّا قُومَ يُنُسْ لَمَّا آمَنُوا كَشَفْنَا عَنْهُمْ عَذَابَ الْخِسِي فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَمَتَّعْنَاهُمْ إِلَى حِينَ The only people ever that the adab of Allah was going to obstruct them, then it was removed, is the قوم of Yunus. So Yunus became so embarrassed. Oh, I told them adab is coming, and then the adab did not come. How can I go back and face my people? He realized his mistake, then he went on a boat, from the boat, then he was, uh, he had to jump out of the boat. There's a long story. Finally, he was swallowed by the fish and he went back and down to the bottom of the ocean. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Nada fil He called on to me from the multiple darknesses. So it was a dark night, then the wash, ocean water, the water itself was dark, then the depth of the water was even further dark, then being inside the fish was another layer of darkness, then being inside the stomach of the fish was another layer of darkness. That's why it's multiple layers of darknesses. He went down to the bottom of the ocean, the ocean floor. And at the ocean floor, then he heard some humming sound. Then he put his ear to the wall of the stomach and he started hearing, what is this humming sound? Then slowly, slowly he could hear that the stones on the bottom of the ocean floor were making the tasbih of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَإِن مِّن شَيْءٍ إِلَّا يُسَبِّحُ بِحَمْدِهِ وَلَكِن لَّا تَفْقَهُونَ تَسْبِيحَهُمْ Everything is hymning the praises of Allah, you cannot understand. When he heard that, he got courage. Wow, I can also call unto Allah. He might help me. What did he call out? He said, La ilaha illa ant. There is no one worthy of worship besides you. Subhanak, you are pure. These stones are saying, Subhanallah. I also say, Subhanallah. Inni kuntu min Indeed, I am one of the zalims. I have transgressed all limits by leaving the town without your permission. Oh Allah. Again, he didn't say, Save me. He just said, I am zalim. Oh Allah, and you are the one. Please help me. It's understood from that. So Allah says, Fasta Jabana Lahu. Again I responded to his call. 
And how does this become relevant to us? Because Allah says, وَنَجَّيْنَاهُ مِنَ الْغَمْ I saved him from his predicament. And the beautiful ending with which we conclude our talk today is Allah says, وَكَذَلِكَ نُنْجِلْ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ This promise of saving the, at the time of difficulty when you call out to me is not limited to the anbiya who are masoom. It's not limited to the beloved ones of Allah only. But rather Allah says, وَكَذَلِكَ نُنْجِلْ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Likewise, I will always respond to and save and give najat and salvation to those who believe in me. Those who believe in me. Who else is there who responds to the distressed one when he calls out besides me? Allah says that just like I saved all these prophets. Number 11, Zakariyah. Well, Zakariya, remember Zakariya? What, what happened to him? He made dua to his Lord. He said, Rabbi la tadharani farda. Oh Allah, don't leave me alone. I have no progeny. My wife is barren, 80 years old. I'm 90 years old or so. I'm very old. But I want a child, ya Allah. When, I responded to his dua as well. I granted him a son, Yahya. So, what's the lesson for us from all of these stories of Anbiya is whatever difficulty we are facing in our lives, whatever trials we are going through, we should never lose hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is the one who came to the aid of all the Anbiya in the various trials they faced. And that Allah is today. Allah by His name, it means that being, there is no alam lidhat al-wajib al-wujud al-mustajma' al-jami'i sifat al-kamal al-munazzah an al-taghayyur wa'al-nuqsan wa'al-zawal. This is the definition of the word Allah in Imam Raghib al-Sfahani's al-ta'rifat. That Allah by definition is that being that there is no change in His attributes. Munazzah an al-taghayyur wa'al-nuqsan, nor decrease. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pure from decrease in His power. The same Allah who was there, who responded to their calls, can respond to our calls. If we but believe in Him and call out to Him sincerely, Your Lord says, call out to me and I will respond to your call. I will respond to your call. This is the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let us believe in His promise and let us beg from Him. And inshaAllah, see the effects of our du'as being accepted in this world. Wa akhru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.